And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. Can someone exit something that they're not aware of? So what is Babylon? Babylon isn't just a nation that existed thousands of years ago. Babylon is here today. Babylon is a way of life. Babylon is also Egypt, Greece, Rome, Britain. Babylon is an ongoing society that listens to the whispers of devils and demons, and Babylonians only think about themselves, and all the actions from those in Babylon lead to destruction. Babylon exists through the choices and actions derived from the pagan religions that celebrate those who defy God. Living in Babylon means living in horror, because everyone is taking for themselves, and if everyone is taking, nobody is giving. Babylon is tempting because Babylon says you can have and do anything you want. When you are allowed to do whatever you want, you are trained to have low patience and to develop low discipline. So if everyone is doing what they want, they're going to enjoy it for a little while until what they want isn't available or what they want gets boring. Once something isn't available or becomes boring, that instant gratification is gone and they will hunt for more gratification. At its essence, Babylon is a parasite. Another way to understand Babylon is to understand its holidays. They include Christmas, Easter, New Year's, Valentine's Day, and Halloween. Christmas has no biblical justification, meaning there is no sign from God through the prophets or disciples of creating a holy day for us, and to top that off, Jesus was born on September 11th, not December 25th, and the Bible doesn't name September 11th as a holy day either. Birthdays also teach you to celebrate yourself, not God. When you understand worship, ask yourself how worshiping yourself is going to go for you. Christmas is about following and celebrating the pagan religions on December 25th. Saturnalia was the concluding day for the festival of the birth of the sun god Sol Invictus in Rome or Mithras in Greece and they are referring to Lucifer the Lightbringer. Any worship of a sun god translates to Lucifer. They are one and the same entities, and to join this December 25th party, we can also include Osiris, Horus, Tammuz, Hercules, Bacchus, Adonis, and Jupiter. And these celebrations trace back to the original sun god of Babylon, Nimrod. None of these celebrations have anything to do with Jesus Christ, as they only serve the adversary. Christmas is the celebration of Nimrod, the son of Shem, who set out to murder the living God by building the Tower of Babel. The word Easter, which comes from the Anglo-Saxon, is a term derived from the pagan goddess of the dawn. The word Easter is of Saxon origin, estra, 
the goddess of spring, in whose honor sacrifices were offered about Passover time each year. By the 8th century, Anglo-Saxons had adopted the name to designate the celebration of Christ's resurrection. The term Easter was derived from the Anglo-Saxon Ustri, the name of the goddess of spring. In her honor, sacrifices were offered at the time of the Veneral Equinox, or Spring Equinox. By the 8th century, the term came to be applied to the anniversary of Christ's resurrection. The pagan holidays of the goddess Ustri, or Ostara, celebrated fertility and new life. The egg symbolized perfection and wholeness in its natural state, and the rabbit was a symbol of fertility. For many cultures, the beginning of the spring season was a symbol of rebirth. This relates to the fact that after the darkness of winter, nature gains a new strength that was symbolized as the ascent of life from the realm of darkness to the world of light. Some may say that the Bible contains Easter in it, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. However, this is a mistranslation from the Greek text where the word Pasha, from the Hebrew word Pesach, meaning Passover. Many early translators of the Bible into Latin and English chose to use the word Easter instead of the word Passover. That is why it is always important to research from the original Hebrew texts or Greek texts, which were done as direct translations, when you find words of conflict. For many cultures, Easter is about the return of spring, sacrifice rituals, and sex rituals to a pagan goddess, and is absolutely not about Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. New Year's Eve comes from the Roman calendar with the god Janus, the god of the gates, doorways, and beginnings. January was named after Janus. New Year's brings on the birth of the sun, or Mithra, or Sol Invictus. Kissing at the moment of transition to the next year is rooted in pagan sexual practice, and evergreen wreaths associated with Christmas were originally part of the pagan calend celebration of January 1st. New Year's encourages that one participates in excessive drinking, eating, promiscuity, and loss of control. New Year's is not God's New Year, that is, in the spring, and it is called Abib or Nisan on the Hebrew calendar, for this is when God has planned for renewal in Jerusalem. Valentine's Day is not what one would call an innocent, friendly day where we practice love for our partners. If you spend even just a small amount of time looking into Valentine's Day history, you will find that it comes from pagan ritual derived from child sacrifice, sex ritual, and the worship of Cupid, the Roman god of love and the son of Venus and Mars. Cupid would sharpen his arrows wet from the blood of infants, and isn't it ironic that Cupid today is presented as an infant? Originally, St. Valentine's Day was called Lupercalia during ancient Rome. To begin the festival, members of Lupercaline, an order of Roman priests, would gather at a sacred cave where the infants Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf or lupa. The priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility and a dog for purification. They would then strip the goat's hide into strips, dip them into the sacrificial blood, and take to the streets, gently slapping both women and crops fields with the goat hide. Far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Later in the day, according to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a big urn. The city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year 
with his chosen woman. These matches often ended in marriage. The Roman romantics were drunk. They were naked, says Noel Linsky, a historian at the University of Colorado at Boulder. Young women would actually line up for men to hit them. Linsky says they believed this would make them fertile. History also records that around 500 AD, Pope Galatius established St. Valentine's Day in an attempt to convert this pagan Roman fertility festival into a Christian holiday, thus retaining its attractions and making it easier for the pagan people to accept Christianity. They changed the name to St. Valentine, and both men and women participated in the drawing and were told for the following year to emulate life of the saint whose name they had drawn. In the Victorian age, the infant killer Cupid was changed to a baby himself to make him more attractive to celebrate. We dress up our children, we dress up ourselves, and we use it as an excuse in excess to alcohol, sugar, food, sex, and other things. Halloween is not the innocent, let-loose, fun night that most people believe it is. Our focus is on the dark and evil and demonic things, or sexy, put-outfit-here costumes. Living in horror is not in anyone's best interest. Halloween was originally called Sawin, which is an ancient Celtic festival. During this festival, people would adorn masks to confuse the dead who have arisen for one day to get revenge on those they dislike during their lifetime. Some would put food outside for the wandering spirits in order to placate them and keep them from causing mischief for the living. Others would try to communicate with their dead relatives and friends through seances. When the Romans conquered the British Isles in the first century, they began to merge some of their autumn festivals with Sawin, including Feralia, which celebrated the spirits of the dead. The common denominator in these celebrations was death. In the 8th century, the Roman Church, under Pope Gregory III, moved All Saints' Day from May 13th to November 1st, the day previously celebrated as Samhain. The thinking was that establishing the day to honor the dead saints through masses, prayers, and relics, on top of a pagan day to honor the dead, would help ease people out of celebrating Samhain. Today, Halloween is one of the most frightful nights to those that the occult sacrifice. It's busiest night for the sacrifice of children to the pagan gods they worship, and we just believe it's a time to party. I ask you to start researching the fallen angels or the interdimensional beings. They are who the people are worshipping when they participate in these holidays or festivals. My video, The Rundown of Our Reality, talks about these entities, and there's a library for you to download and review on your own time. Comprehending these entities helps you to see what people are really celebrating, which is our own destruction in the end. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that you shall surely perish. Be careful not to ensnare by inquiring about their gods, saying, How do these nations serve their gods? We will do the same. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, because in worshipping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates, and have no fellowship with the fruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. If you are not aware of the Pharisees' great sin, it was in worshipping tradition over God, and that is exactly what these holidays are requiring you to do on top of worshipping other entities, including the Catholic saints.